Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. We appreciate you listening today. And we've got a really fun guest to talk to today. I'm really excited about talking to our guest today. Um, he got his start on the contemporary jazz scene right out of college, touring with the legendary Diane Shore. As a solo artist, he has about a half dozen albums and several top five um, Billboard top five singles to his credit. As a sideman, he shared the stage with the likes of the late Bobby Caldwell, Gino Vanelli, and Jeff Lorber. And his current single, Everybody Get Up, is rising up the charts and garnering lots of radio airplay. In addition to being a world-class musician, he's also an entrepreneur. He's had a sound and lighting company, promotes concerts, and produces the Governor's Ball, which we'll be interested in learning a little bit more about. Please welcome to the show saxophonist Patrick Lamb. Patrick, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, I know you've had a lot of really esteemed artists on your show, and I feel very blessed to be a part of your the constituency. We're happy to have you, man. A lot of people might not actually be super familiar with me. Um, you know, I've been touring with a lot of the people that you noted, and I think one of my challenges has just been getting to let people know me. They're like, well, I've seen Patrick with Gino Benelli or Bobby Caldwell or Smokey Robinson, but what is it, you know, what is it that Patrick does? Why should I come yeah. see him? Yeah. Yeah, to, to jump. Yeah, well, we're going to we're gonna unpack some of that and get at some of that today. But I got to tell you, you know, I, I've listened to a lot of your music, and I got to say, I love the diversity of your music. How are you able to walk that fine line of being so diverse, but still being able to be distinctly who you are? Well, I think I think it just comes from a man. I've, I've traveled the world many times with different artists. I've lived all over the United States. You know, mm-hmm. I was Jackson, Mississippi. I moved thirteen times by the time I was fifteen, and I think a lot of suffering and pain. No, I'm, it's life <laughs> experience. I think I don't know. Yeah, um, that's a whole other. I mean, I could talk to you for a couple hours about different things. You know, everybody's had their challenges, but then uh, life's been a very interesting journey for me. And I just feel it's made me feel incredibly blessed to be, you know, where I'm at now. I live on the beach in Palm Beach. I had a lot of success and but it's made me more grateful. So, you know, it's just it's been a very interesting life journey for me. Yeah. Yeah. So did you always know you wanted to be a musician or? No, I started really late, you know, by, I think, professional musician standards. I didn't pick up a saxophone until I was 14. Uh-huh. So that's relatively late, I think, by professional standards. I mean, I'm envious of these kids that start, yeah. you know, great tutor at like six years old and they're playing like, you know, sonatas by the time they're 10. You know, I'm just, I can't relate to that. So yeah. I got late start but it was really the thing that uh, the only thing that i knew how to do i mean i was always the late the person who enrolled late in class uh-huh. you know like every year so i was always the person who was enrolling in school and kind of the new guy who didn't have any friends you know so uh-huh. really disjointed it as as a kid i think when i finally found the saxophone it would just it comparatively it seemed effortless to everything else I've been through. So I was like, that's the one thing I could do. That's and I cool. was driving out. Yeah. Yeah. So who would you say are some of your top musical influences? So early on, I went through all of the different books and beginning band, you know, just like that. I just went, so that's when I kind of knew, Oh, wow. You know, this, this is interesting. I might be able to do this. And then, um, 
my stepdad brought me back a book because I think he thought I was getting a little cocky. Uh-huh. It's a book called the Charlie Parker Omni Book. Ah, okay. It was the transcriptions of Charlie Parker's solos, you know. And he's like, here, okay. Right, he's like, here, here, learn that. So I, so I did. I went through and started learning this different solos and Kim and Opravive and, you know, ornithology and all these different. And then I would go out to jam sessions, you know, in the clubs. That was really the start when, because people are like, well, how does it happen? How do you, you know, how did you end up touring, uh, you know, with all these different people? And I, everything's word of mouth. Mm-hmm. It's like, they're like, oh, I saw this kid at the, whatever, at the jam. And at the time there was, I mean, there were several jam sessions run by a, a guy who's still in Portland called Ron, uh, Ron Steen. He's actually a great, incredible drummer. Okay. And he's still, he's kind of keeps the, every city has a, has a, probably a couple of people that kind of, I'd say, keep the flames yeah. a lot, you know? Yeah. And so young to even get into the club and he would, I would stand back in the kitchen and then he would bring me out to play. They're like, well, he can come and play, but as soon as he's done, he has to, he has to go back to the kitchen. So okay. stand back and I would just wait and then I would come out and play. And, I'm, you know, <laughs> anyway, through, through that, I started, uh, you know, getting to getting out there a little bit and um, started getting calls. That, that's kind of how it happens. People hear you, uh, you know, start, and then I, I got a call to go play with Diane Schur and then I uh, started touring with her and, you know, after she won her second Grammy, everything was sold out, big concert halls, you know, Kennedy Blue Notes. Um, that was kind of the start, you know, for me. Good, 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 good. So you uh, you also have this entrepreneurial spirit. Tell us about that and how that was developed in you. I just see a need and an opportunity. And, uh, you know, people think I'm crazy, but, the, you know, I'll, I'll start doing it. So, I, you know, I started a ticket company. That I, over 50 million with you know i have a sound company I, I promote concerts so it's it's really just about finding a need in the marketplace and then and filling that need when i started there was only three ticket companies in the marketplace and it's I, i'm not gonna say it was easy but now it's inundated with you know there's like 50 you know or 100. so but you just have to recognize you have to seize the moment and you have to move because uh, everybody's got an idea so the idea or a dime a dozen, it's all about the implementation, you know, who, you know what I mean? Everybody talks about an idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. And everybody doesn't follow through on the idea, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you have an idea, great, but the people, I mean, lots of people, I'm sure, had an idea about having a ticket company, you know, but or in your upstart company. But uh, the implementation, people who are willing to put their money where their mouth is, take out a loan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took out a loan early on. Yeah, it's scary when you first start. You know, you have to really believe in what you're doing. And the same is true with music. And it's all about believe first and don't have a plan B. If you if you don't have a plan A, A is faith and belief in yourself. Yeah, yeah. Great point. Great point. So I'm particularly interested in the, in the juxtaposition of being a musician as well as a concert promoter. So tell me what the concert promoter side of your brain wants the musician side of your brain to know and vice versa? Well, everything kind of comes together like this in life, you know, for, for me. I mean, so one is always pivoted to the other if you're open. So, I mean, for me, I was, of course, playing in clubs, playing playing concerts. Then I uh, started this ticket company. Then we, then I was ticketing Jimmy Max, which was the premier club in, in Portland for many years. A dear friend of mine, I opened his first club, you know, to open up as the first person to set foot on the stage, I played his 20th anniversary. 
And he was a dear friend. I'm making a long story short, but he ended up getting throat cancer and died very, very oh, quickly. Sorry to hear that. A few years ago, but the club, of course, disappeared after that. But so for me, I was playing in the, in the clubs, and then Jimmy was a dear friend. And then uh, also, conversely, I really wanted to make some relationships with other artists, you know. So I started bringing people. Not a lot of people know it, but I, I hired Jeff Lorber more than any other promoter. Wow. Uh, West. Okay. Um, I figured out this is a, a, lamb, a lambism. So the, the best way to get people's attention <laughs> is to, you know, if you really, if you want to get people's attention, pay them some good money. Yeah. Do respectable yeah. work and do it a few times. You'll have their attention. That's a great point. That's a very, very good point. I would say that kindly, but that's what I did with Jeff. I don't know if he would, he would say it, but I mean, I hired him probably six or seven times concerts. You know, I'd bring him up each year. We'd sell it out. And, okay. You know, it's together. And so through putting things together, you just learn. It's it's like, you know, you got to jump in, you know, learn learn what it's all about. Take a risk, you know. Yeah. But you're, as you know, <laughs> you know, put yeah, your money. Yeah, indeed. Put your money down. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think people always understand the risk involved in, in some of these things, particularly from an entrepreneurial standpoint, because you're right. It is about like you got to believe in your idea. You have to be willing to and take the time and the energy effort to execute the idea. But then, like you said, you got to put your money where your mouth is. Right. And it's not always it's not always easy. You know, I'll never forget the first the first festival that we did. I, I, I can joke about it now, but I wasn't joking about it then. I felt like I invited the whole world to my big party and hardly anybody showed up. You know, and I was kind of like, oh, my goodness, you know. And I remember I remember being out in the audience looking around at all the empty seats thinking to myself, I don't believe that this is the case. Now, we've been blessed to have growth every year, and it's just getting to the point now where, you know, like people, lots of people know about it and lots of people come. But boy, that those first couple of years were kind of a, they were, they were, you know, they were, like you said, you had to have faith and belief in yourself to keep it going. Man, I could tell you so many stories. I've failed, failed forward. I think there's a book out. I mean, I'm fond of Yeah. Like, Patrick, man, you're all over the place. And it's weird because I'm not really in that that it's this has been a beginning time for me. This has been the first couple of years I've focused I've really focused on the solo career. And I got things I've ever done. It's much harder than than actually uh, some of these businesses that I've, you know, started or or whatever, but very subjective. And um, you know, people have to like you. It's hard to just get that your foot in the door, you know. Promoters too, and I understand because I'm I am a promoter. So you want to put butts in the seats and promoters like, well, these are the people, you know, that are going to do it for me. No, I don't know about you. It's, it's very, it's very, very difficult to get your foot in that machine. Some, although I've been blessed. I mean, we played uh, Louisville, Kentucky, everywhere we go. So we've sold out four of our last eight concerts, you know, I'm excited. It's, it's, it's been very organic and very hard one. And it's made me realize again that it's all, of course, it's cliche, but it's all about the people and connection. But yeah, I try to meet people. I try to make friends and, and just have a great time. And, um, you know, we played uh, Louisville, Kentucky a couple of weeks ago. And the promoter there was like, damn. <laughs> 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 Literally the whole place up on their feet. And he's like, man, I, I'm, you got to set August next year aside. Like, but we're going to bring you back as more of a headliner. So that's kind of like. Yeah, you know, you have to have hum humility. You have to have a warrior spirit, like all in the same body. 
you know. Yeah. Well, let's let's listen to some of the music that's allowing you the opportunity to sell out some of these places. How about we take a listen to that song that's climbing up the charts as we speak? Everybody, get up. Right on. This is, I got to give a shout out, to Chris Big Dog Davis. It's got the soul gospel touch and the church all up in there. This keyboard playing. So, yeah, thank you. Absolutely.
All right, everybody. That was Everybody Get Up by today's guest, Patrick Lamb. So, Patrick, talk to me about goals for your career. You just mentioned that, you know, now you're really emphasizing being a solo artist after spending so much time working with so many other artists. What are the goals that you set for your career? Have you set goals for your career as a solo artist? Yeah, yes, I do. I, I guess, I mean, you, you got to ASK to GET, right? And you have to be bold and you have to understand that and what we do as musicians success, like in terms of making, it's not, not about making money. It's about, although we all like to make money, it's not about the money. We like to buy with the money, right? Yeah. But it's, it's really about connection with people and becoming, letting people know, you know, what it is that I do, what, I, what I'm about and just making authentic new friendships, I think. Why? I mean, it's really successful. What we do is becoming, you know, a household name, you know? Yeah. Goal is the tour nationwide throughout the world, you know, on my own. Okay. That's the goal. It's fun, music, and I think something unique to share. And so, you know, I'm excited about that. That's fantastic. Good for you, man. Good for you. So talk us through a little bit about your process for making music. Like, what? how does it start? What inspires you? Those types of things. Well, you know, people, there's only one Stevie Wonder, you know, so the rest of us have to have to collect. <laughs> you know, so for me, you know, I play drums. I'm a melody man. I wake up in the morning and I'll, everybody has a certain gift and I consider God on a certain level. So I, you know, I, whenever I, I have a, a recorder on my phone, as soon as I hear a melody or I'll, I'll take that moment and just record it into my phone and I'll go back and I'll play some, some beats. You know, or I have I have a sample library, you know, terabytes of different samples. Okay. So I'll either, or I have addictive drums, so uh, it, I'll take take some beats. I'll typically play like a live hi hat because uh-huh. for me, my unique self. For me, the hi hat always drives the song. Okay. Know, kind of gives, like Parliament or any of that funkadelic stuff. The drums is typically, you know. What chopping wood and wood and playing the funk, and then and then the bass player is mm-hmm. like, like me. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I think okay. about about my music. So I'll take the melody, and then I'll typically uh, collaborate with the uh, keyboardist like Chris Big Buck, Doug Davis, you know, or Jeff Lorber in the past. And then through that, we get all the pieces of what I call the, the funk puzzle. We put it together. We have a song. Okay. All right. All right. So, where were you the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio? Oh, geez. I was, man, I'm trying to think. That's, that's quite a... <laughs> uh, I think, you know, just driving on the highway. Yeah, okay. You know, LA, and uh, that's always uh, a blessing. It's really exciting, you know, because you know the other people, uh, what, what you've been working so hard to get out there to people. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I, uh, I've been working with a local artist here in Milwaukee, a trumpet player, and... Last week, he his his song, his first song was on the radio and he called me. He was so enthusiastic about it. It was such a cool it was a cool moment for me, you know, and I'm just, you know, helping him from afar. And, you know, he's the one putting in all the work and the effort. And to hear just how excited he was, that was such a really kind of surreal moment for him and for me as well. It was really kind of cool. Well, there's, you know, it's all about connection. So, I mean, I can't speak for everybody because I think I do think some certain people get into the business for different kinds of reasons. You know, some people get into music because it's just a song in their heart. That's how I feel like whatever singing, singing, to people, you know, but some people get in the business because it's a, 
a way to be famous, you know, mm-hmm. and to become famous. And then, you know, that that's what it's all about. And it just depends on who you talk to. But, you know, if you've got that authentic connection with your music, then there's a lot of joy. And that's, that's really the final analysis is having a lot of joy and sharing joy with the other. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So how do you know when a song is ready to be released to the world? Is there, you know, are there there criteria it has to meet for you or is it just more of a feeling or what? You know, it's interesting because when I first started, I think I was just trying to, you know, write a song. So it was kind of a process of like baking a cake or something, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to try. I'll be happy when I have a song written. Now it's all about vibe and how it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. If it doesn't, you know, have a groove. I mean, my music's got to have some gospel in it. I know about me because it's got to, there's, there's so much music out there with really no harmonic interest, you know, like the harmonic interest that I like is Earth, Wind and Fire, just old school vibe and music, Frankie Beverly. Yeah, that's good stuff. (laughs) So I think if you listen to any of my music moving forward, it's going to have that kind of vibe, you know, otherwise I get bored. I can't just, if it's, if the progression is, you know, not very interesting, then I just, it just becomes boring on a, on a level. So it's got to have a, also got to translate to a live show. You know, there's a lot of music I think you can, you can relate to that you hear, hear on the radio, right? With an artist. And then you see him live and it may have had success on radio. Then when you see him live, you're just like, oh, yeah, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. That's nice. Yeah. And the kiss of death and what we do, you know, you want, you don't want to um, have people come away from your concert and go, Oh, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, we, it's funny. um, The, our producer Hansel and I were just talking when I came into the studio today about a couple of artists who, um, you know, he hadn't seen before and I knew of, but I had never seen him live before. And they opened our last, the Saturday night of our last festival. And Hansel was making the point that they really could have been the headliner, right? Because of how they play, like because of that the very thing you're talking about. Like I've seen, been to so many shows where an artist that's had a ton of success on radio comes out and they play their instrument. And that's not a show, you know? Like a show is like like it's it's the energy, it's the interaction, it's it's the passion. And you're so right that, you know, that is like the kiss of death for a show is somebody just coming out and saying, Oh, that was okay, you know, like you gotta move people when you're putting putting on a show, you know? Every moment this this has been a very humbling experience for me. So because I've toured all these artists and you just show up and there's you know, it's like sold out and like yeah. own you recognize every single concert is a is a huge opportunity yeah in fact the commerce is connection you know connect with those people just don't plan on coming back you know i mean people having fun and on their feet i I don't consider that that i've done my job you know yeah i mean if i go whatever it is you do there's a way you can characterize success and i think um i mean you know I don't want to say that every artist has to get people on their feet because that's not true. Everybody has a different vibe and mm-hmm. a different characteristic. So, you know, which is not necessarily having, having people dance. But for me, I just love the Earth, Wind & Fire funk and soul music. So that's how it works for me. Yeah, got it, got it. So when you let a song go, are you nervous about it? Or are you just like, okay, this is, 
I'm happy with it. I'm putting it out there and we're going to let it be what it, what it is. Or you like you pent up with expectations and stuff. How, how are you when that happens? You know, I learned this from Gino Vanelli, who I've toured, toured with for 13 years. He, I'm not letting anything out until I, I feel I'm, you know, until I'm just ready for it to smash. Yeah. Okay. If I'm going to let something out now, I'm going to feel great about it. If only one other person listens to it, it's like going to be from my heart. So I'm not doing anything. Life is short. So, you know, it just feels so much better when you're, and that's really the job in music too, is to like connect, like I was saying, connect with people and conversely at live concerts, you know, energy never bullshit. So people can yeah. tell, tell a lot more than you give them credit for, yep. you know? Yep. Yeah. Really. That was, I don't know why, but you know, I didn't really, I didn't like, or they're going to be, Oh my God, that was the best concert. You know? And they, you know, they may not be able to tell you, but they're just much more perceptive than I think, you know, we give them. That's a really, really good point. That's a really good point. Well, how about we take another, listen to another one of your songs. How about we listen to your song, Moonchild? Beautiful. Awesome.
right, everybody, you just heard Moonchild by today's guest, Patrick Lamb. So, Patrick, what do you like most and what do you like least about being a musician? Well, I love I love performing. I really do, you know, um, and playing my my music for people. So that's my way to it. I think I think a lot of musicians would say uh, that, um, uh, you know, getting on and off airplanes and and traveling. I've been pretty lucky over the last few years, but, you know, uh, last month I got stuck in Atlanta and there were no flights out for two days and I had to drive. Ah, that sucks. That's probably the least, least favorite. The business is challenging, but it is what it is. It's, you know, I I can't say I love the contracting and the, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, as you know, there's a lot of phone, phone calls. Oh yeah. uh, and diplomacy and dealing with people are wonderful and people are a challenge sometimes yep. and, you know there's a lot of egos and so you know you have to work work around that and learn how to deal with that and ego stands for edging god out <laughs> i love that so you know as you know a lot of people become artists because for the love of it but a lot of times there's ego wrapped into it so sure yeah no doubt about that so what's going on in your head just before you go on stage? What do you like? Are you excited? Are you nervous? Are you, you know, practicing up until the last second? What do you like? I'm excited. I'm, my thought process is I'm ready to give it to the people. Okay, great. Let's go rock this place. Yeah. All right. And what about when you walk off stage? What do you, are you like, okay, I got to decompress or man, that was so much fun. I'm, I got so much energy. I'm hyped up. What do you like? I'm uh, grateful. I'm excited. I feel like most times a job well done, you know, and uh, just what a what a level of gratitude, you know, to be able to do uh, what like this coming week. I've got I have a full schedule through next year I mean, a lot of stuff going on. So Cincinnati with Gino Vanelli, it's it's all sold out. Yeah, we've got concerts. So, you know, just a lot of gratitude. Yeah. I try to keep that in perspective. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, Patrick, we have this segment we do on each show. We call it Bout It or Doubt It. So if you're about it, it's something that you're into or that you like or that you're feeling. If you doubt it, it's something you're not quite feeling. Can we get you to play Bout It or Doubt It with us today? Go. All right. Let's do it. I started this body body. If you bout it, get them up. I mean you body body. I mean you body body. I doubt it. All right, so Patrick, we're going to spin the wheel and get you a category. Then we're going to ask you a couple of about it or doubt it questions, okay? Okay, it sounds like fun. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, Patrick, your category today is fun and leisure. Doubt it or doubt it? Camping. Doubt it. I used to be. I've already. I've done a ton of it. Like so, in my life, I've like I've already climbed out of hood. I ran the hood to coast. I've oh wow! All kinds of northwestern, you know, stuff when I lived yeah. there. So I camped out in the Jefferson Wilderness, and um, I've just been there, done that. Yeah. So I was all about it. Like yeah. I climbed the hood. I. But now I'm just I'm just done with that phase. So gotcha. Doubt it. I feel you. Yeah, I've never been much of a camper myself. I'm, I don't know that I've ever even really done it. I think I've kind of always been kind of like for me, roughing it is more like a, you know, a holiday inn versus a five star hotel, you know, and I don't I could never envision being out in the wilderness like that, sleeping in the wilderness. So, yeah, I'm a big doubted on the camping thing, too. All right. Let's ask you one more about it or doubt it. 
about it or doubt it, snowmobiling. You know, I'm I'm kind of about it. Yeah, you know, okay. I'm not done, so I'm a kid at heart. Yeah. Back of my my like, I enjoy like water skiing and anything having to do with water sports. Uh huh. I'm about it, except I I anything where I have to dress up like in a whole lot of like uh you know coats and and hats. I mean, I don't know if this is like, this is where I live now. So that's pretty you know. nice. Yeah. Right on the water. That's pretty nice. So I don't, so I, I'm kind of more about the converse, like the water and the ocean. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. See, I'm, I'm up in landlocked Wisconsin where we have winter basically half the year. And so, although I haven't done it yet, snowmobiling is something that I want to do because it looks like a hoot. It looks like a ton of fun. So yeah. Oh, and because I'm a motorcycle rider too. Oh so yeah. Yeah. I don't have it right now since I moved, I sold it, but I have a, you know, I've had a R1. I don't know if you know what that is. It's a very, very, it's a super bike, but okay. it's, it's just, you know, it's one of those bikes you can pass people in like, you know, half second. Oh you know, wow. Zero, zero to a hundred and, you know, a couple of seconds kind of bike, but I, I enjoy uh, motorcycling. I'll try almost anything. I still enjoy motorcycling. I'm probably going to get one here in Palm beach again. Good for you. Good for you. So who are some artists that you haven't worked with that you think you'd like to collaborate with? Man, wow, like Babyface, gosh, you know, some some of the greats, you know, Eric Brene. Yeah, Eric's a Milwaukee guy. Eric and I used to sing in the church choir together as kids. Wow, he came out to a Gino Vanelli concert in Japan. Okay. When it, and I got to hang with him and meet him. He said that Gino was one of his favorite artists. Yeah. Know? Man, there's there's just so, so many uh, great artists. I mean, I enjoy rock and roll too you know yeah I mean, I've yeah played with people like uh, alice cooper and uh, you know different people uh, in the rock world so i have to think about that some more yeah really funk and soul maceo parker oh um, yeah yeah that would be something special there's so many great ones yeah, yeah. There really are just tons of tons of great artists out there so then you know with artists that you've collaborated with to this point when you get together and you collaborate on a project, is it all about business or do you make time to hang out and do fun stuff as well with those artists? I, I always make time to hang you yeah. know, about human beings and uh, you take care of business, but you really want to get to know people and, and leave a, a mark. Also let people get to know you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all about business. I think the music can suffer. Some people might, you know, differ about that. Oh, George Bill. One of my favorite ever. I just saw him. And uh, sorry, back to your, your other question. George yeah. Benson, man, one of the greatest artists ever to walk the earth. He gets such an underrated guitarist. Mm-hmm. Alan just played, you know, Giant Steps. And he check out some of his old you know, B3 records with George, George Benson. So he'd definitely be one of my favorites. Okay. So then you mentioned before that you moved around quite a bit. What would you say that experience of moving around add it to your musicianship did it add anything to your musicianship did it change your musicianship in any way there's always a you know a other side of the coin so on one side it made me it took me a long time to learn how to make friends mm-hmm. I and mean, i didn't really have a chance to make many friends until i was in high school if you can imagine what that was. the other hand because i was always the new person i'm patrick you know <laughs> and they are you know they've already they've been in school they had their made their friends and it's kind of like it was very awkward and then but it made me very independent so, so uh that's kind of the positive side i think 
I've, I've always sort of walked my own way. It's manifested many different ways, you know, because I've had the courage to do things. I don't think if I'd had some a different situation that I would have been as bold with, you know. Gotcha. So we got time to listen to one more of your songs. And how about we take a listen to a song that is one of my all-time favorites, your rendition of the Bill Withers hit, Grandma's Hands. Thank you. I absolutely love that song. I love playing it. Hopefully I can come play it at your festival. Absolutely. That would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun. Thank you. 
right, everybody, you just heard Patrick Lamb with his rendition of Bill Withers hit Grandma's Hand. So what like what made you decide to to do that song? I would be one of a million or, you know, incredible Bill Withers fans, you know, music. And uh, my my grandma sort of took care of me as a kid. My parents dropped me off at her house, you know, Raymond, Mississippi. So uh, for extended periods of time. And I literally lived, let's see, I lived in Mendenhall, Mississippi, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, Cleveland, Mississippi, um, Boyle, Mississippi. I went to first and second grade in Boyle, Mississippi. So they would drop me off at grandma's house. And uh, we really had a really disjointed and not cohesive kind of family life. And so I think my my grandma really was a, was a shining light for me. She kind of like I was, she had she was together. She was well spoken. She she is very loving. Because uh, I think a lot of times you just need somebody who's like, oh yeah, that's that's where I'm headed. You know. Yeah, yeah. In lieu of that, you know, with all with so many broken families now. So if you if your father's not around or your mother's not around, and if you know if you don't have somebody, then um, you might not know where to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And having an influence like that, I had a grandmother much like yours who was just, we were very close and uh, yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin. My grandmother lived in Tennessee and would go spend summers with her sometimes, you know, and it was, there was nothing like, you know, hanging out with grandma, man, there was nothing like it. And, you know, you always felt protected and safe, but y'all and loved, but you know, my grandma, like maybe so, like a little sounds like your grandma too, was a. Uh, my grandma handled her business, man. <laughs> she always handled her business. Yeah, and my grandfather too. He was a, a marine. I, anyway, I could talk to you about that for a long time, but you know they were definitely a, a, a spoil the rod, spare the child, or you know, yeah, about to get a switch, and if it was too small. I... <laughs> <laughs> I had the same experience, man. I, I had to go back many times to get another switch because I thought I was being smart and getting a small one. <laughs> uh, yep. I remember those days, but that's all right, man. That's all right. So what is something your fans would be surprised to learn about you? I think just my humble beginnings, kind of, kind of like I really grew up next to a cotton field. Um, and, uh, you know, I went to a school where a lot of the kids wore the same shoes every day or didn't have, I think people see me now, like, you know, flying around the earth and live, you know, living in Palm Beach and they're like, oh, you know, it must be like silver spoon kid, but no, I, I've done every, um, and I'm proud of it too. I've, I've worked every, I mean, I know how to work. A lot of these kids don't know how possible job you can imagine until things got for me. So, I mean, I've, I picked strawberries, I've dug ditches, I've cleaned roofs, I've delivered pizza, I've parked cars, I've, you know, put seal, put up ceiling tile, I've worked on cars, I'm a mechanic. So I've learned, I mean, I remember being at the Daytona Jazz Festival and they had a, a thing where they had people, the artists were talking about, you know, one of the questions they had for all the artists on a panel was, well, always, you know, did things just work out for you? Did you, have you worked any other jobs, you know? And uh, I don't think any of the other artists had, had, I mean, most of them, I know like Rick Brown went to Eastman, they played, played with, uh, you know, War, and then he, then he had his career. And then, you know, Vince Gala put out his records at an early age, and then he, and then I would, then they got to me, and I was, you know, I had like 13 or 14 jobs I had worked. So no judgment at all. I'm just saying, yeah, you know, fantastic. You know, if you can go to school and then, have a career and 
that's how it works out for you, man. God bless you. Yeah. Scratch. Yeah. In my story, my story has been a, a lot of hard work. And, um, it's been fine wine takes time. Oh, also that you know, thirty years. I don't drink or smoke. I'm a last thirty years. So I'm a weird musician. Yeah, that's that. But that's okay though. You know, and you know that's one thing I find too that there's a misconception often about musicians that. Everybody thinks that as soon as the show's over, the first thing they're doing is going to a party, right? And I've met so many musicians, particularly in this contemporary jazz genre, where that's just not the case, right? They're, you know, a lot of them are like family people and they're trying to get the next flight home as soon as that, as soon as they can after a gig. And yeah, some like to enjoy themselves a little bit, but it's not the wild party stuff that I think a lot of people have this, this misconception of, you know? Yeah. I mean, I tried to counter because there are a lot of stereotypes associated with music. There are, there are, you know, if you had to, if you asked a hundred people, but well, what are the things associated with musicians? They're, they're drinkers, they're partiers, they do drugs, they're unhealthy. But you know, there's, I find that on the on the upper levels that that's not generally not the case. At least the people I'm working with, you know, it's become more. You, know, you have to be on time. You have to have your business together. You know, no doubt about it. So what advice, Patrick, would you give your 13-year-old self about life? Oh, my gosh. 13-year-old uh, <laughs> self. I mean, uh, when I was, I think, I think just to, uh, you know, keep, keep, keep trucking, try to spend time with people who are on a high level, you know. Man, 13-year-old, that, that, that's kind of the basics of life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And teaching them things that don't necessarily have a lot to do about music. Are you talking about music or are you talking about just no, life? No, just life in general. Just life in general. Well, if, if it's just life in general, then hopefully you're in a good family. Mm -hmm. so the more I get, the more I recognize it's all about the, you know, the, the family. Mm -hmm. uh, and just, you know, all the, all the basic stuff, you know, um, yeah. working hard and uh, staying in school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and away from uh, drugs and alcohol. Yeah, there you go. That's good advice, though. That's really, really good advice. So, okay, I, a couple questions. I love to put all of our guests on the spot with a couple of these two questions. One, what are your top three albums of all time? Oh, wow. <laughs> top three, three records. I think the Crusaders. This is my puppy dog, by the way. All right. <laughs> Jones and I. Probably, man, we'll see. Richie Kamuka live, like live at the Black Hawk. Any of those Black Hawk records with um, uh, Rich, Rich Kamuka and Shelly Mann. Okay. Those are some I've been studying. Is this working okay, me walking around with yeah, you a little bit? Yeah, this is fine. This is fine. Okay. I'm just trying to, my, my puppy is uh, kind of crying a little bit. So, yeah, I think any of those records, Live at the Black Hawk uh, with Shelly Mann, are at the top of my list. Um, uh, a lot of uh, Miles Davis. Yeah. Stuff, of course, is going to be at, at, at the top. But the record with the Hard Times, The Crusaders. Uh, Crusaders really, that's really one of the records that, uh, made me play, pick up the tenor, uh, -huh. uh, hard times. That's something that I wore out. If you haven't, if you haven't heard that, you should definitely go. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about live in Japan? Oh yeah, sure. Okay. It starts off with uh, Joe's sample. He's got this incredible, this incredible uh, intro mm -hmm. and it's very soulful and jazzy. And um, and just you know goes on for for about uh, you know five minutes and the, and then Wilton Felder comes in with with hard times you know yeah 
heard that record? I mean, I wore that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I've heard it. I've definitely heard it. It's been a while, but I have. So now, now it makes me want to go back and and listen again. I was just thinking, yeah, I got to go listen to the Crusaders. I mean, it's been a while since I've listened to them. So it's a perfect piece of music. Yeah. But what I know about Wilton Felder is that he has so much underneath the hood, yeah. jazz wise. You know, yeah. but he's he is gospel, soul, and jazz all wrapped into one. You know, is there's no, there's no extra notes. He's not trying to play any like you know just licks. You know, for the sake of playing licks, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, do indeed. Those are good options, though. Those are good options. So, all right, one more question I love to ask all of our guests. You're having a dinner party. You can invite any three people, living or or deceased, who's coming to your dinner party, and what's on the menu. Oh my God. (laughs) Jeez Louise. I mean, you know, of course, man. Wow, 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 wow. Well, I mean, you know, Stevie Wonder would be yeah. a, to- a tops. They can be living or, or. Yep, sure can. Living or deceased. Seriously. There's so many people. I mean, like, I mean, can you have like uh, JFK and Martin Luther King? You sure could. Absolutely. And uh, we have to have some great uh, soul food. Um, there you go. Yeah, I, th- I think something like that. That sounds good. That sounds like a good party. That sounds like a good party. So, Patrick. What does the rest of the year hold for you? You mentioned you got a lot of stuff on your books. Well, it's nonstop. So we have uh, this this week. I'll be in Cincinnati uh, with Pacino Vanelli. Then a ton of dates on my website, including there's. Uh, let's see, I'm going to be in Baltimore at Keystone Corner. Oh, great! With David Dyson and John Lambkin and Alvin White, and then uh, I have some other private dates. I have a band called Hit Factory. Well, I didn't tell you about that. I have a corporate corporate band you can check that out at hitfactoryentertainment.com if you want to see some videos great but we play a ton of high-end parties in palm beach and gosh we played the ritz carlton and arizona universal portofino great and so then we have i have my christmas tour which i've booked it's called the patrick lamb charlie brown christmas and you can check that out at patrick lamb charlie brown christmas.com awesome and it's the music of Vince Guaraldi as a children's choir. We have about seven dates booked. Everything I've booked is sold out in the past. So it's something I'm gonna I'm working on taking nationwide. Yeah. Uh, you can see more about it. Patrick Lamp, Charlie Brown Christmas. We have children's choir, sing along. So it's it's really, really, really wonderful. And then uh, New Year's Eve, I always host my own New Year's Eve party. Okay. And they always they always sell out. This is called Twenty Four Carat. And you can see that at more information on patricklam.com. So there's that. And then we have a bunch more Gino Vanelli dates. We have a rock and romance cruise, which is already sold out. Then we have, we're going to Europe. Uh, we're going to Italy. We're, I'll have a bunch of new music out by then. Great. You'll be booking me at your festival and yeah. talking about your friends. We, we want to come and throw a party at your venue that sounds like a good time man that sounds like a good time well i gotta tell you patrick i really appreciate you taking time today to chop it up with us a little bit we wish you nothing but continued success man and thank you for sharing how our listeners can get in touch with you and learn more and hopefully a lot of them will be out there seeing you on the road so we appreciate your time today man i appreciate you very much each and every one of your listeners uh god bless each and every one of you and i i hope to meet you in person uh soon sounds like a plan my friend all the best patrick take care you too take care now all righty that's our show for this week be sure to check out our website freshcoastjazz.com to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz 
We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. 